You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What up, what up? How are you? What's going down? Um, in the last episode, we chatted about how to get more by doing less. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we talk building communities within your fan base. It's going to be killer, so let's get mental. Oh yeah. So, Mike, um, I think we missed a week because we are both very, very busy dudes, and there's nothing wrong with that because we're not slacking. We're just crazy, busy maniacs. Um, yeah, which is all good. Uh, totally. So, anybody out there in loyal listener land who you know is feeling a little withdrawal from week to week, we encourage you to go through the back episodes uh, and. You know, if you've already done all of that or been listening for a long time, uh, start to share it and talk about these with your friends. I mean, Blasco and I connect every week and really do try to to make sure that we deliver content to you consistently. And we've done that over time. But yeah, man, we you and I have had a bit of a, a, a few a few weeks and months now stacking on top of each other, which, like you said, is a good thing. So thank you guys all for your patience. Yeah. So I found a guest post by our friend Angela Mastro Giacomo, um, and it is called Building Community Inside Your Fan Base. And it starts off like this. There is a beautiful power to being able to reach people at the heart of what they believe and connect over and that you can do it in a true and powerful way. That's what I want you to remember throughout these tips. This isn't about having the most fans or the most followers. This isn't a numbers game. This is about building a movement of people who believe what you believe. Do that and you can change the world. Uh, So she's got three tips here. Number one, create a space for your fans. This can be in person, online, or both, but it's crucial you have a space where your fans can be wholly themselves and where they can directly interact with other super fans. Your shows might be one place to do this, but they shouldn't be the only place. Online, consider a Facebook group as the easiest option. It's part of a private group for super fans of one of my favorite bands, and I have to tell you, 
It's one of the greatest places to hang out, especially during a tour or album cycle, because it's just tons of inside jokes and references that none of my friends would get, but these people get it, and it's because we love the same band. We cling to the same lyrics, we get the same things, and that brings us closer to the band because we feel included and understood. Yeah, I mean, what first and foremost, I mean, what a cool concept to be able to talk about because, you know, especially as you are growing your fan base, you know, no matter how big or small it is, you can find a, a you know, uh, like she says here, you know, a, a microcosm of that, a smaller spot where the really, really, really fanatical ones um, can interact not only with uh, you guys if you're in the band. Um, but also each other. And I've seen it work not only for bands, I've seen it work for podcasters. I've seen it work in so many different ways. And yeah, I would agree. I mean, it seems like the private Facebook groups, I think you have a number of those that you've created, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Um, and the ones that I've witnessed, it is, it's just, you know, for me, the, the best ones just doesn't seem forced, which sort of sounds like she's, she's referring to here, you know, for feeling included and feeling understood, it's not manufactured so much of what social media is, especially as your band grows, you know, you, you have to think about it and it does have to be a little bit calculated. And I found in the private groups, much like, you know, forums were before, you know, Facebook came in, it's like, it just allows the artists and the fans to kind of be themselves and interact in a way that, is just very, very, very genuine. And I know for me, anytime I've had a genuine connection with an artist, especially one that I respect and like their music, it just takes that, you know, what I feel for them and what I'm willing to do to help and support them to a a much deeper level. Yeah. I mean, creating a space for your fans to hang out. And like she said earlier, it's, it's not a numbers game. It's not about having the most fans, right? Like even if it's, even if you only have a few, but creating a space for your fans to hang out and most importantly, talk about you. Because if you don't give, if if you don't, if you're not building a community, if you don't have a place for people to talk about you, um, then it kind of, it might just materialize, right? If, 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 if it's like, you can't relate to other people that have your band in common, it might just evaporate and they they become more interested in something else. I mean, you got to figure we're overwhelmed with content these days. And if you're not providing an opportunity for these fans to invest more energy into your band, um, it could end up just being fleeting. Right. Um, so I, I think that the, the overall um, agenda of this article is very important. And, um, and yeah, man, a Facebook group is, is a good example of something that can be done um, and really not that difficult. And it's an extension of your social media platform and getting on there, like even just designate one band member that's the moderator. Um, that's got the time to go in there and converse with the fans and and uh, b- bring up exclusive things to talk about and, and involve them in. I mean, th- if the fans are your, it's your most important asset. Without that, you know, labels and managers and booking agents, 
these people are not going to be interested in your band if you don't have a fan base. And um, if you're lucky enough to start to build a fan base, then you have to figure out more ways to engage with them to keep them fans for a longer period of time. Um, yeah. And I mean, the nice thing is you can start this at any point, right? You don't have yeah. to have a massive fan base. I mean, right. you know, one of the artists that I'm having the most success with currently, I mean, they've built a fan base over a decade and yeah. really now they're finally starting to have some commercial or industry success. You know, that you want to talk about patience, but each and every step of the way, they were looking at ways to measure and really engage with their fan base. Now that they're having that success, people are saying, oh my God, how did I not know about this? Because their fan base is so rabid. And, you know, ultimately it, it it's sort of like, you know, a, it's like a magic trick here. It's like people are saying, oh my God, how did this happen without us knowing? And really it was just the band doing what they love and understanding from the outset that treating their fans, you know, with respect and dignity and encouraging that commonality um, which is what we'll talk about next was really the best way to go about that. For sure. Number two, create commonality within your fan base. You and your fans already have quite a lot in common. You just have to figure out what it is and then introduce it through ways that put your fans at ease. A huge part of this comes down to your branding. Uh, this will be a key part of finding and then nurturing your fan base. So take the time to get to know what it is you're all about and how you can hone in on that. Whatever you do, don't expect the music to be what bonds you because it won't. What will create super fans and keep them around is something that goes deeper and taps into their own beliefs and the way they see the world. Try to narrow it down to just one or two main beliefs and then make everything you do about that. Your promo photos, your live shows, the way you conduct interviews, all of these things should have the same consistent message and feel. Yeah, I really love this. And it's something that I notice more and more and more is, you know, I heard somebody describe a singer the other day as somebody who could sing, scream and rap. And my response was, well, do we really need all of that? <laughs> um, and, and it wasn't, you know, it was just a, a sort of a gut reaction of, I don't know if I need someone that can do all of those, especially if they're not the best at any one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when she talks about the branding here, uh, you know, two main beliefs, it's like. I see, I see in my own life all the time. I mean, you and I are both fortunate. We spent some time before the podcast got started updating each other on what's going on. I have so many choices that I can make each and every day, right? I'm so fortunate to be able to work with great bands, you know, podcasts, coaching, you name it. But ultimately, sometimes I'm just, I have too many choices, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm paralyzed by my own creation of, of this. So imagine if you know, that's my life. I mean, if a band, if I'm a fan of a band and they're giving me eight things to choose from, you know, how to engage with them, what to connect to, it, it seems, you know, I hear so many young bands in particular, and I know we have a lot of, you know, uh, developing artists, you, you sort of seem like, oh, I want to give everybody something they can latch onto. And ultimately what happens is it's so diluted that the people that are looking for, let's just say hope, 
You know, they want hope inspired lyrics. They want something to pull them out of, you know, the mire of, of the world that we all live in. Well, if you're really just kind of like dabbling in it, there's so many other people that are going to do a better job of that. And I also like, you know, she says the music won't be what bonds. Uh, that said, you know, the lyrics obviously can be. And, and, you know, the lyrics and, you know, are what's laid over the music. So I just, I love this point. It really comes down to the, you know, the adage of like keeping it simple, um, which is something that, you know, look, uh, here I am 25 years deep into a career in the music business. And I still have to remind myself of it pretty much every day. Yes. And I think it's easy to take for granted that fans are people. Uh, people have interests, they have, you know, they're, they're inspired by things. Um, and most specifically, if you're lucky enough for you to inspire them with their, with your music, you have to, uh, you have to keep them engaged with that. Um, you know, it's important that I, I feel like it's important that a band stands for something. Um, you, you know, and I'm not saying this in a political or religious sense. I mean, you know, what type of music do you play? Like what, what does your name mean? What, what does your logo look like? You know, she's talking about branding, like what is it that your band or your brand stands for? Um, because understanding that is probably the single most important thing. Because that what is that's what's going to unite a fan base, and that's how you're going to create a community within that fan base is having something specific that you stand for. Therefore, you understand your following. You understand what they want. You know, she's saying here, like, pick a few things and be consistent with it because your fans are attracted to what it is that you do but you need to stay consistent. Like she's saying here, like with your, your presence of your promo photos and your live shows and how you conduct yourself in interviews, like you have to stay on brand and you have to, you have to present a consistent message. Um, and then also too understanding, understanding your fans for them as people and understanding that they're united in their love for your band but there has to be other similarities, right? There has to be other interests that these people all have in common, um, whether it's a hobby or other bands or, you know, something else specific in your genre, um, you know, whether it's a, a, a fashion um, or, you know, interest of some kind, where they hang out online, um, the types of blogs they read, read, you know, the types of playlists they listen to, like understanding your audience and engaging with them is going to help you build that community and building a community within your fan base is, man, I, I can't think of a more important thing to do. And I feel like it now is a great time because I feel like we all know that it's necessary, but I don't see a lot of bands doing it. Like, I don't, I don't see like, you know, like replying to the occasional Instagram comment or making, you know, a post that's not enough. You gotta, you gotta dig deeper because these people are all accessible and, um, you, you, you gotta, you gotta really 
engage with them and, and you, you gotta, you know, get them to sign up for your mailing list, get them to be on your Facebook group, really identify these core super fans. Um, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling, but I, no, I just no, think I, it's, it's good. And I, I mean, we did an episode, I don't remember which one it was. Um, but you know, we talked about reverse engineering things and that can apply to so many things. And so, you know, I, I can imagine, you know, Blasco and I have so much experience. So this stuff is easy for us to talk about. It's not even, you know, it's sort of second nature for us to implement, but for us to pass it on to our bands where really they have to implement these things, you know, what I often do is encourage them to look at others who are doing a good job of it. You know, you talk about finding those common interests. Again, you, uh, you know, I know that there's people who, you know, talk about sports, for instance, and you know, there's a lot of music fans that don't care about sports, but there's plenty that do. And if sports is genuinely something that you like, you you should, it, you know, even if it only grabs a quarter of those fans, really dive into that. They're going to connect with you, you know. But again, you know, so look at what other people do when, it, we, you know, when she says make everything you do about, you know, those one or two beliefs, you know, your promo photos, your live shows, the way you conduct interviews. What I love about her article is, She's writing this, you know, when she talked about creating a space for her fans, she says she's in a Facebook group. She's actively watching somebody do it well. She's not in a band, so she doesn't have to, to apply these, but it, go join a group of yeah. somebody who you really like. See what they do. Join two. See what works and what doesn't. I mean, you know, Blasco and I would love to tell you that we've gotten where we are because we're both, you know, strikingly good looking and really, really, really freaking smart. but. Really, what we have done is grinded out a career, you know, and in this podcast, we've connected with each other because we wanted to share, you know, a lot of these ideas initially with each other, <laughs> you know, yeah. trial and error. Hey, Blasco, what's working for you? Hey, Mike, what's working for you? And ultimately, when podcasting became something that we could do and share it with others, we had, you know, uh, a desire to do that as well. So we are examples of people who have gone in done the investigation by simply observing people who we like, you know, that we are fans of and seeing what they've done. Yes. Uh, final point, show them appreciation. If you want to turn a fan base into a true community, you have to make sure your fans know you're there for them, but also that they show up for each other in true communities no one has to beg for attention or recognition. They simply have to show up and ask. Make sure that's true of your community too by creating an open, inviting space for fans to do that and then encouraging that discussion and participation. Then be sure you're rewarding the ones who naturally take the lead. Make them moderators of the online group. Ask them to head your merch table. Create a street team and ask them to lead their city's division. Show them you appreciate them and watch them flourish. Yeah, I mean, this one more or less speaks for itself, but oftentimes is lost. It's sort of that, you know, it's the last 10%. 
that really finishes off the job as opposed to many of us who do 90%. And 90% mm-hmm. is a pretty good grade. If you if any of you went to school, you might remember that the people who got 90s, I think they got A's. And getting an A is pretty damn good, but getting an A plus, which is if you are going to try to make this a career or make it something more than just piddling around, you know, with your buds, which if you're going to do that, that's fine. You know, we're not uh, do that. But if I believe many of you out there are listening because you want, you know, what we have, which is to be able to represent artists and in Blasco's case, be in bands that are at an elite level. And it's because we do the final 10 percent. Um, and that's what you got to dig into by showing those fans that appreciation. And she gives you some really easy ways to do that here. You know, before Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool, he was a waiter at a restaurant called Shenanigans in a movie called Waiting, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it probably 250 times. Anyway, the uh, manager of the restaurant Shenanigans had a little phrase that he used to encourage everybody, and it was, the difference between extraordinary and ordinary is that little bit extra. (laughs) (laughs) So I find this to be relative on point to this, that look, people in bands that are up and coming, that are struggling, that are fighting the amount of content that is out there fighting the amount of bands that are out there. You want to get out there. You want to make a difference. You want people to hear your music. You want to build a fan base. You want to sell records. You want to go on tour. This is the difference. That little bit extra going the extra mile, doing something that isn't so common that 99% of all the bands are already doing. Get in there, engage, Build a community within your fan base. Uh, do this. Do this because no one else is doing it. Do it because it's important. Do it because you really want to build a product. You really want to build a band that people love. People want to wear this t-shirt. They want to advertise to the world that they love your band. Get in there. You know, Love them back, right? Do, do that little bit extra and watch things change for you. Yeah, and do it even when you're not seeing immediate results, immediate gratification. Do it because you know that we're telling you if you do it and do it consistently and do it over time, it's going to work. You know, and, and the factor that I, you know, maybe I've left out of that when it comes to, you know, engaging your fans is do it in a genuine capacity. I mean, there's so much, I mean, it's just so, it's like so awesome to be able to, go through some something like this because it just reinvigorates me to like all the things of like, oh yeah, I can now, you know, we're recording this in the morning. I can go through my day thinking about all of these things in regards to not only the artists that I work with, the podcasts that we work with, you know, but my own, my own career and be amped up. So if you're not inspired after listening to this, uh, I encourage you to listen to it again and get inspired. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. So, Mike, we got a few extra minutes. Uh, I wanted to run a little bonus by you and uh, get your take. Um, our friend Ari from Ari's Take uh, blasted this tweet the other day, and I saved it because I was just I, 
I had an alternative perspective on it. And I'm just curious if you think uh, I'm an insane person or not. So he tweeted, you're not going to jump from a day job into a million dollar record label advance. Get rid of that fantasy. You're going to quit your day job when you are making enough money with your music to pay your bills and eat. Hashtag new music business, right? And as much as I can appreciate that, my alternative to that is no, quit your day job now. The only, I feel like the way that you're going to become successful is to force yourself into uncomfortable situations because that's the way that you're going to make it happen, right? Like I quit my job before I should have, right? Like I got a record deal. And I was like, woo, that's it. Fucking party's <laughs> over. Like, like, or whatever. And I was like, so stoked to tell my bosses to eat a bag of dicks. Right. Like, and, and it wasn't like they did anything wrong. Like yeah, my job was actually pretty cool or whatever, but like, there's just that feeling of like, I got a record deal. I'm going to make it. I'm going to put all my energy into this. I'm not going to spend time at my day job anymore. This is a waste of time. And my time is better spent focusing on my band and writing songs and making a record that is going to resonate with people forever. Right. That was, that was where my mind frame was. So as much as I respect his point, my alternative is yes. Quit your day job now, force yourself into an uncomfortable situation to propel you, to force you to become successful, write that album, write that song, be that band, be that brand, right? And so is that is that wrong? Should I not be thinking that? Should I not be saying that to the rest of the world and our listeners? I mean, look, you're sharing your experience, which is exactly what worked for you. I will say when I've had skin in the game on something, whether it was my band where, you know, when we really started having success and none of this meant financial success, but success to us was touring the world. You know, I think we ended up touring five continents, um, maybe four, I'd have to go fact check myself, but <laughs> it was because none of us had jobs. When somebody said, Hey, can you come to South America? And the only time we can bring you is April and it was February. We didn't have to worry about, you know, the job part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, you know, I think you're right. I, I, I really respect Ari and I know you do too. And I understand that the music business has changed. If, if you're going to say, you know, because there was a time when you could get a million dollar deal, right? Mm -hmm. and, and those were, you know, they're not, they weren't handing them out, uh, you know, uh, like cookies, but those almost don't exist nowadays. So if that's the, the extremes, then yeah, I'm going to say you probably got to tether yourself to something that's a little bit more reality based. But I think your message is one that I, I back, you know, the only, I, I mean, shit, dude, I've lived through some very uncomfortable times, even in recent months, years, because it's, this is all I got. You know, yeah. and if and if I was working a day job that wasn't this, I may have just said, you know what? Eh, I don't really need to figure that out. That's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to sit through this, work through this and do it. But I have no choice, just like you. 
and this, I mean, dude, I'm in my mid forties yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still doing it, but that is, I mean, the, I, I love it. You know, the artists that I've worked with, I've had a lot of time to reflect and look back and I'm even looking at some of the stuff that I have now. And, you know, I've got some guys that are in some great bands that are comfortably working day jobs, waiting for the miracle to happen. And inevitably it is, it's just like, just like that little switch that you indicated, you know, between extraordinary and ordinary, the extra is like you said, being out of your comfort zone. So I'm with you, brother. I think, you know, we align in that respect with our, you know, with how we have approached things. Um, and this is awesome because it takes me back to those moments where I do realize that if I wasn't all in, I wouldn't be where I am. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a fact. I would probably be working some job somewhere. Well, that concludes episode 116. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week, hopefully. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you have for the podcast to me at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Just want to say thank you guys for being patient on uh, waiting for this episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop and Blasco. It's always a pleasure to get to discuss uh, these exciting things in the biz with you. So yes. um, that's what I got, my friend. Thanks, everyone. All right. Peace. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hi, this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching and OuterloopCoaching.com. I am so glad to be with you this week. Thank you for giving me a moment of your time. This week, I'm talking about how to release your full-length album on social media. And this is one of those questions we get asked about all the time at Outer Loop Coaching. And I am very happy to have the chance to answer some of those questions for you now. Now, the first thing you need to know is the entire release rollout for your full-length album has one purpose. And that purpose is how do you build anticipation and excitement for the release of your album. How do you get as many people as possible to get as excited as possible for your album release so that you can generate the most sales, the most streams, the most activity and excitement, and the most momentum for your album 
release cycle starting with day one when that album is released. Okay. So that's what you're trying to do. And you have a great advantage by having social media. You can control what it is that you put out into the world in order to generate that excitement. And it's at no cost to you or to your fans or to people who will come across what it is that you're doing. That is way cool. Way cool. So there's a couple things. First thing is that as awful as it sounds, you really should be using Microsoft Excel or a Google Sheets or a whiteboard, something similar so that you can organize your entire album release rollout. Start at the top, go from left to right, going backwards in time. If you start with the day that you're releasing your album, let's say it's the 28th of July, for example, to the right, you would have a column as the 21st of July. To the right of that is the 14th of July. To the right of that is the 7th of July and so forth, all the way back into time, uh, 12 to 18 weeks. You want 12 to 18 columns. Okay. Now on the far left where you've left some room for your, the, the rows and what the names of the rows are going to be at the top you've got your major assets. Uh, I'm sorry, your major, uh, major events, your major events are pretty simple. It's the release of your album itself. And it's the release of the singles that support the album, uh, release your single releases are the tent poles. They're the ones that, uh, start to build that anticipation and build that excitement over time, but they stand as these pillars that you are going to generate activity and excitement for in small bursts over the course of those 12 to 18 weeks. And below now, below those major events, you've got all of your release assets. All of these are your graphics, your teaser videos, uh, the all of the different materials that you're putting out into the world through social media, through your Instagram, through your Facebook, through your YouTube, in order to support those singles and that album release. If you organize each of these assets to be associated with the singles that they are associated with. So if, for example, if you have a, 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 a graphic made and it's got the lyrics for your uh, single two of three, then that's a graphic that's related to single two of three. If you've got a, a teaser video for the music video that you made for single three of three, well, that would be Again, that would be a, 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 an asset related to single three of three. If you've made another teaser video and it's got a mashup of three music videos for the three singles you've released uh, building up to the album release, well, that would be associated to the album release itself. And so you want to perhaps use color coding, something like that, different colored markers if you're using the whiteboard, uh, different colors if you're using Google Sheets uh, or Microsoft Excel, and associate each of these with what it is that they are associated with. And then you've got, as you schedule with those, start with those major events, start at the top. You know the date that you're releasing your album. For this example, it's the 28th of July. And then you've got for uh, the release dates for each of the singles leading up to that album release. So it might be the 21st of July for single three of three. It might be some date in June for single two of three, a date in May for single one of three or so on and so forth. And then you were able to go and look all the way down the column and you want to have activity 
uh, that it supports the release of each of those singles on the week of and the weeks leading to each of those singles. You might have assets that are things like Spotify playlist graphics and um, contests and things like that that are not associated with the singles. That's really fine. That's okay. They're going to be interspersed in there, but you're going to have, as far as the uh, majority of your assets, really should be trying to build your audience excitement and anticipation for each single and for each of uh, and for your album release. So that is the bulk of it. Now, if you were to get into our release it right program, there's a lot of more detail. There's a, a, a much, you know, there's a science behind this. There's a science behind when you release each single, there's a science behind how much goes onto each of the social medias uh, and what kind of uh, assets you're using to build that excitement. Uh, and if you want to get into that kind of detail, we've got a lot more information that's available at outerloopcoaching.com. So feel free to come on by. Uh, and if if you have any questions, certainly check over. I've got a, a video version of this segment over on YouTube at Outer Loop Records and the Outer Loop Group uh, YouTube channel. So feel free to go over there and you'll be able to see it in action. And this has gone through it very, very quickly. So if you have any questions, do not hesitate to email me at paul at outerloopcoaching.com. I'll be happy to help you out. So once again, this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching. I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, give it a try as you're starting to think about your next album release rollout and try to think about organizing it this way. It's definitely a left-brainers approach to a right-brainers world, but I, I think it's going to be real helpful to you. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. <laughs>